Well, good morning, New Life. We are continuing in our Romans 8 series this morning, but we're going to do things a little bit differently. Uh, as, as you heard already from Jonathan, we do have a very special guest with us uh, from across the world and, and giving us a little bit of insight into some of these things we've been talking about in Romans 8, but going a little bit deeper and illustrating some of those things. We also have some other very special guests in our room today. We have our kindergarten through fifth graders in here with us. Uh, the, Miss Amber has been leading them this summer through a lot of great stuff about missions, about God's work around the world and what he's doing. And so we wanted them uh, to, to be in here with us to, to hear from our good friend and partner. Now, in, in light of that, uh, there's something else special about today. We're going to make history this morning. You didn't know it when you got up this morning and when you came to church that you were about to be part of new life history because you're about to hear the shortest sermon in the history of this church. Are you ready? Sure. Okay, great. All right. So we're, what we're going to do is we're going to cover the entire book of Romans and we're going to do it in five minutes. Okay. Now, we've been diving in deep in Romans chapter 8, and we just want to go back and, and kind of bookend. We're going to cheat a little bit on doing the whole book of Romans. We're going to bookend it, Romans chapter 1, and then at the end of Romans, just to kind of give, give, give us this whole big concept, kind of like we did in week 1, of where does this Romans 8, all these great truths that we're looking at, where does this come from? Where does it fall? And, and, and we're going to start back in Romans 1. So if you have your Bible with you, or if you want to op open up your app to Romans chapter 1, after some introductory comments, here's what Paul says to the church in Rome. I'll, I'll start in verse 15, but 16 and 17, you may know, are, are by many considered to be the whole theme of the letter that he sets up up front, and then he just goes into great detail in the rest of the letter. In, in Romans 1, verse 15, he says, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation." to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So why does Paul want to come to Rome? He wants to preach the gospel to them. And if you've been around here very long at all, you've probably heard that word gospel, and you know that that means good news. And specifically in the New Testament, it's not just any good news, it's the good news of Jesus, about who he is and what he came to do. So why does he want to preach the gospel to them? Verse 16, he tells us, because he is not ashamed of the good news of Jesus. Well, why not? Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew and also to the Greek. So what a cool thing for the church in Rome made up of Jews and Greeks or Jews and Gentiles to hear that this is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. Now the gospel in one way, in one, from one perspective, is just words. It's just news. But in another way, it's more than that. It's more than words. It's, it's power. It's power. The power of God. Notice, we're going to put this up on the screen, and you can see the word gospel kind of track through the passage. Notice the pronoun in verse 16. Verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because what is the power of God? It is. It's not your ability to explain it perfectly, clearly. It's not how powerfully or forcefully we try to preach it. The gospel, it is the power of God for salvation for those who believe. It's not just words. 
Now, I, know I, I mentioned that our, our kids, our kindergarten through fifth grade, are, are in here with us. Uh, if you guys want to join me up here just for a minute, if you're in kindergarten through fifth grade, I didn't ask Ms. Amber for permission to do this, so we're going to see how this goes. But if you guys want to come on up here just for a minute, you can leave your moms and dads, you can leave your packets, and come on up here. I have something I want to show you. Anybody who wants to come on up? Just right up here, right up here on the floor. Miss Amber, is this okay? Oh, she's not here. Okay, I guess we're all right. You guys have a seat. <clears throat> you guys, you, you, turn, turn around so you can see this. You guys, what, you see, what is, what is this? Like a pepper. It is like a pepper. A sweet pepper is a good guess. However, it's not a sweet pepper. It's an extremely hot pepper. So that's why I have this in this little bag, right? I was thinking about maybe I could hand it around and each, everybody could take a bite of it. Would that be? No, I'm so glad that you said no. That's a bad idea. Um, I know you will. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll send it with you, Josie. Um, but this pepper, I'm keeping in this bag. And, and you know why I'm showing you a pepper right now with Romans 1 verse 16? Why? Good question, Nixon. Um, the, the answer is I was reading a quote by a, a, a bishop from Syria in the Middle East from the 5th century. That's like the 400s, right? And, and here's, here's, here's what he said, and he was relating the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to a pepper. <laughs> Listen to what he said. He said, a pepper outwardly seems to be cold, but the person who crunches it between their teeth experiences the sensation of burning fire. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that a way to, for us to think this, this is the, the way that we experience the gospel, that outwardly it can, it can appear to be just news, just words or philosophy, something like that. But, but really, if we believe it, if we receive it, if we, if we bite into it and sink our teeth into it, right? It's power. It's power. I'm going to talk to your mom and dad if, if you want to do it afterwards, okay? So, no, I'm just kidding. We probably, we probably, that's probably a really bad idea. But that, that's the idea, is it's so powerful, just like the gospel is the power of God. And notice, Paul is writing this letter, Romans, to believers. He says to, to the church in Rome, I want to come and preach the gospel to you. Why would he want to preach to believers? Isn't the gospel just for non-believers? Well, yes, it's for those who don't believe in Christ yet. It's the good news that, that the condemnation that is on their lives, the, the sin that, that we're all trapped in, that God has made a way for us to be saved from that. That, that he can deliver us from that. And it's also good news for us, any of us in this room who are believers. Did you have a question? What's your question? Uh, this is a microphone. <laughs> good question. It kind of looks funny, doesn't it? But the good news is I don't have to hold it. So it, it's good news for, for non-believers and believers. And that's what the bulk of the rest of Romans is about. So this is bookend number one in the first of Romans. And for the second half of our sermon, we're going to go over there to the end of Romans. So you guys stand up. Come with me. Let's go over this way. All the way over here. And we're going to look in Romans 15. So moms and dads, if you have your Bible with you, we're going to look almost at the very end of the letter. And here's what Paul, the one writing this letter what he's going to say about the gospel that we talked about over here, this, this powerful, powerful good news. Here's what he says. He says, thus I make it my ambition, this is Romans 15, verses 20 and 21. 
I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, and then he quotes from Isaiah, he says, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. If you guys have something really, really great, really awesome, and somebody else doesn't have that, what is it that your, your mom, your dad, your friend will encourage you to do? What's the word they will say? You need to share. share. That is what Paul is saying about this great news, the gospel. Those who have never been told of him, they don't know. So they'll see. Those who have never heard will understand. That is what the whole letter of Romans, the letter to the church in Rome, is about. From, from the, the very beginning where he talks about what the gospel is to, hey, this is where it's supposed to go all around the world. And we're about to hear from one of our good friends from the Middle East, all the way across the ocean, North Africa, and, and parts just east of there. And you guys got your packet about where he's from. And so you guys can, can go back to your seats and you can draw in there, you can take some notes, and he's going to share some really amazing stories from us with us that, that really tie in to what we've been talking about. While you guys are upstairs in Kids Church, we've been talking about here uh, in Romans chapter 8. So thank you guys for, for joining me up here, and you guys can go back to your seats and get your packets, and we're going to welcome our good friend. Now, um, if you're joining us online, uh, we apologize. We're going to have to cut the video for this part of the service just for security sensitivities. You will still hear the audio, so hang with us, um, but let's give a big New Life welcome to Rafiq from the Middle East, our good friend. Come on up, Rafiq. So we're going to talk through some of these themes from Romans chapter 8 from the past several weeks. And um, Rafiq is going to help us really just, just try to understand what does this look like in a different place, in a, a different context, and, and what is God doing in parts of the world that we, we know really relatively little about. So Rafiq, tell us, uh, for, for some of us, some of us remember uh, the first Sunday of COVID. Um, Rafiq was here with us and everything went online, so maybe you saw the back of his head <laughs> online. Um, and, and for others of us are, are newer to New Life and, and uh, maybe haven't met Rafiq before. So Rafiq, tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you and your team are doing in the Middle East. Well, thank you very much for having me and inviting me today. It is so wonderful to worship the Lord together. And uh, before I start, I want to say a big thank you to New Life Church because of the partnership that we have over the last four or five years. And it just reminds me when the body of Christ and the whole world put their hands together and partner together, we can see a greater and a wider, a deeper impact in reaching unreached people groups with the gospel. So I just want to encourage you because of your partnership, the Lord has used us to plant 91 house fellowships over Egypt, Sudan, and Morocco. Isn't that great? And that happened the last few years. Yeah. Because of the partnership that we have together, we were able to train Arab Christians most of them coming from a Muslim background to take the gospel to different nations. Like we have 64 Arab missionaries serving the Lord in Sudan, in Egypt, in Iraq, in Bahrain, in Emirates, and in India. We praise the Lord for that. It is happening because we have this kind of uh, unique partnership. 
My name is Rafika Bukhalil. I was born and grew up in uh, the Middle East. I am married, I have two children. One of them is studying now at Covenant College to be elementary uh, teacher, elementary education, and the other son is just finished uh, an IT degree from Liberty University, so he's looking for a job now. Uh, we are sent through Pioneers International to serve and reach the Arabic-speaking Muslims. So they are in 21 Arab countries. The population is more than 400 million people, and majority of them Muslims. So because it is illegal to share the gospel with Muslims in the Muslim world, we are very creative and we are using new technology, media, social media, mobile apps to tell the Muslims about how great our God is and they, can, they might come one day to follow him. And we are training nationals and we send them to proclaim the word of God among the nations. And the third category of our ministry is we found that in the last few years a lot of refugees coming from different countries this kind of uh, located in a new country for them so we found in Egypt there is nine million more than nine million Sudanese refugees in Egypt so we started a new ministry to reaching out to them and we found that so many of them coming to follow Jesus so that's yeah, praise God. That's that's great. Thank you, brother. Um, so as we're we've been talking in, in Romans eight about some some big themes. Uh, back in uh, the very first week of our series, we read obviously verse one. Uh, ver verse one says this: There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, so to help us to understand. Um, for in, in, in your context, in, in the, the, the Middle Eastern world, the Arab world, uh, for the average person who is Muslim, what is their experience in daily life with, with being under condemnation? What, what do they feel? What's their understanding of sin? Those kinds of things. Well, sin in the Muslim belief is not sin as we understand it. So sin is not considered a serious offense against God. But it is kind of weakness, and when you are weak, you can do bad things, and they call it bad deed. So in order to overcome or kind of get rid of the sin, you have to do good deed. So they hope one day that the good deed will wipe off the bad deed. And their view of God it is not the view of God as we see it. But there are this kind of a God is waiting to see people doing a sin, so he's gonna whack them and punish them for what they did. So that is the kind of relationship between the general Muslim and their view about God. And also believe that there is something called the grave torture or the suffering in the grave. When Muslim people die, they put their body in the grave without any kind of uh, like a, a wooden box or anything. They wrap the body uh, in a piece of cloth and put it in the grave as it is. And then they believe two things are going to happen in the grave. There is two angels will come and they start torture 
that dead body. They're called Necker and Necker, which is the name of the two angels. And also they believe there is a snake one day going to come into the grave and they torture the dead body in the grave. So there is a lot of fear with the Muslim when they're really afraid of death because this is going to happen to them in the grave. I'm going to tell you a story how God is using this to open the eyes of some Muslims. Well, Salome is a Muslim lady coming from a big family. And they're very, very committed, restricted Muslim. And her brother is one of the leader of one of the Muslim groups. They believe in violence. Not every Muslim believe in violence, but this particular family come from that particular background. So they heard that their her older sister lived in another city in Sudan, and she became Christian. So they got really, really angry, and they tried to get rid of her, but with God really protected that older sister. Three years later, the older Christian sister came to her hometown for medical and health issues that she needs to take care of. And she stayed in the family house. For two weeks, everybody in the family is looking at the older sister, and they don't talk to her. Then the older sister looked at Salome, and she said, why you don't talk to me? Then Salome said, because you became an infidel, and we don't talk to Christian people. You're one of them now. And then the older sister said, but I became a follower of Christ and uh, I'm not afraid of what concerns you. Are you afraid from the torturing of the grave? She said, yes. She said, Jesus freed me from the sin and I'm no longer afraid of that. Well, I'm going to tell you something. We know in Islam that everybody has to earn his way to go to paradise, correct? Say, yes, it's okay. But there is also a verse in the Quran that say, those who are killed in the war or for the Islamic war, they're the only people can guarantee to go to direct to paradise. And it is also written in the Quran, when they go to paradise, God will reward them by having 70 other people from their family will follow them in paradise. A question for you, Salome. How God is going to choose the 70 people from that family? Is he going to choose the bad people in the family or the good people in the family? Do you have any idea? No? Okay. So, and that is contradict with, ev with the concept of Islam that everybody should earn his way to heaven or paradise. So she went to the mosque. She asked her sheikh in the mosque. There is a contradiction here within the Quran. So what would you say? He said, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. So she went back to her sister. She said, I can't answer your question. There is another question for you, Salumi. Sometimes when people go to the war, they're 
body shatter into a hundred pieces and it is so difficult to collect the body, wrap it together and put it in the grave. But everybody should suffer in the grave. How these people that they were not put in grave after their death, how are they going to receive the grave torture? She went back to the sheikh. She asked him, can you give me an answer for that? He said, I don't have an answer for that. So she went back to her uh, sister. She said, I can't answer your questions. But she was very mad at her sister because she's asking difficult questions in the Islamic faith. Then she said, I'm going to do something to bother my sister. I'm going to go and buy a, a Bible. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to ask her difficult questions that she cannot answer me. <laughs> she called her friend. Can you give me a Bible? Sure. Give her a Bible and she start to read the Bible. Everybody in Islam or Muslims, they believe there is a verse in the Bible saying there is another prophet after Jesus will come with a different message. His name is Ahmed. Some people translate it. His name is Muhammad. Listen to him and his message. So she got the Bible, start to read, read, read. Where is that verse? She missed it. She said, I have to read the Bible again to find that verse. <laughs> she started to read the Bible again. She didn't find the verse. So she called her friend that sent her the Bible. Listen, are you sending me the true Bible that everybody had and reading it? Or that is a different Bible? He said, this is the only Bible that all the Christian people read. They say, where is that verse in the Bible about Muhammad? He said to her, we don't have this verse in the Bible. She said, really? I'm disappointed. Why at the mosque they teach us the wrong thing about Christian faith? She started to go through a period of struggling with her beliefs and what's written in the Bible, what's written in the Quran. Then she got really, really sick one day. No doctors know how to treat her. At that moment, her sister started to pray for her. Jesus appeared to her, healed her totally from what she was suffering from. Then she met with her sister and told her, can you tell me about that Jesus? He came to me, healed me, and I want to know how can I get rid of that feeling of guilt and being under the condemnation of sin all my life. She opened the Bible with her and she told her, this is how to receive the forgiveness of your sin. Do you believe in Jesus? She said, yes, I believe in Jesus. Persecution started immediately. They had to flee from Sudan to Egypt. Our ministry team received them, discipled them, enrolled them into a local church, and they are wonderful members now. This is how people view sin, get rid of the sin. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Yeah, this is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, uh, like Salome. Um, coming out of that, that 
condemnation uh, and, and that there's no condemnation in Christ. One of the next things that we looked at, if you've been tracking with us this summer in Romans 8, is, is this idea of fi- finding life in Christ in a relationship with God as a father through, through adoption by God. Uh, this, this is one of the verses that we looked at. Um, verses 14 through 16 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, cry Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Uh, Rafik, what, what does this look like in the Middle East when someone finds this kind of relationship with God, experiences that new life in Christ through that adoption? Well, the word adoption is not there in Islam because Islam forbidden adoption. Like if you want to adopt someone in the Muslim world, uh, that is illegal according to the Islamic law. The relationship between us and God as he is the father and we are the children of God, that concept is not exists in Islam. Again, God is there and uh, he doesn't want to have relationship with us in Islam. And we are afraid of God and he is waiting for us to make any mistake so he can punish us. That is the feeling in the relationship between mankind and Islam and their view about God. So I'm going to tell you how and such a concept it was very, very strange for a Muslim, drew him to follow the Lord. Dr. K is Palestinian, grew in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia in a very conservative family. And he's very smart. At a young age, he got two PhD degrees in Islamic theology and communication. And he is a devoted Muslim. He is a founder of two Islamic TV channels in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Their goal is to spread Islam all over the world. And he has his own TV program. He's well known. In 2021 alone, from his efforts to spread Islam among the non-Muslim people in the kingdom, he converted 3,000 people working in Saudi Arabia from the Philippines, converted them to Islam, helped them to get married, new car, new home, salary, new job, and everything. After he did that in one year, he came and he said, as a Wahhabi Sunni Muslim, I did that to God. It didn't bring any peace and joy to my life. Maybe because I'm our happy Muslim. This sect of Islam, they believe in violence. So he thought, if I change my background from Wahhabi Muslim to be a Sufi Muslim, Sufi Muslim, they're more peaceful people. So they say, he said, if I convert and I become Sufi Muslim, I will be a better person and I can experience the joy of God, the peace of God in my life. 
he announced in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia that he lived a Wahhabi Islam and he became a Sufi Muslim. My goodness. All the people in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia got really hard on him. How can you dare, Dr. K, to leave our main sect of Islam and follow a different sect? Um, persecution start against him. Then he said, if I want to be in peace um, as a Sufi Muslim, I have to leave Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and go to live in Morocco. When most of the Muslims there, they believe in Sufi Islam. He did. He found another wife there. He got married. He got three children. And he started to be famous again in uh, Morocco. He got his own TV program. And he was calling people to follow Sufi Islam there. Several years down the road, he asked himself, why I'm not happy? Why I cannot experience the joy of God? Maybe the problem is not in the Sufi Islam or Wahhabi Islam. Maybe the problem is in Islam and the Quran itself. What if I can read the Quran, but now with a different eye? I'm going to read it as an outsider. I'm going to look at the Quran as an outsider and see where that is going to take me. He read the whole Quran for one more time. Then he decided to not be a Muslim anymore. He said, I know there is God. My role is to find that God. He went online to search about the true God. He found our social media, our website there, start to read about the Christian faith, to get to know more about Jesus Christ. And then he got in touch with us, asked so many questions. We answered him. For a whole year, he was resistant to make a decision to follow Jesus. Then one of our team members told him, Dr. K, why you don't come and join our online fellowship. You will see people from the same background like you. Why you don't come and participate in this? He said, okay. He started to attend week after week. In the prayer time, he heard people praying to God, our Father, Abba Father. And they're sharing their problems with God direct without feeling there is a wall between them and God. They look at God as his, a friend of them. And he said, I never seen people in my life. They speak in their prayer and deal with God as a friend, as a father, like this. He was grabbing with the idea and then he came to our team and he said, I cannot resist the love of Jesus to me. Can you help me and tell me how can I become that person with an intimate relationship with the Father, Jesus Christ? He received his, he gave his life to the Lord and received the salvation of God online with us. This is the drawing thing that attracted Dr. K to become in the kingdom of God and follow Jesus because he felt Jesus adopted him 
and give him that kind of special relationship. I'm the father and he is the child of God. Awesome. That's yeah. great. In, in so much of um, Rafiq's ministry, what they've shared with us through the online connections, through working with refugees from Sudan, um, and, and then sending, sending missionaries to different parts of the Arab world, uh, there's so many stories, ju just a little bit of what, what you've, you've heard here, about suffering and, and how they are walking through uh, suffering with all this. And that's one of the big themes we've looked at the past couple of weeks in Romans 8, that, that, that even through suffering, how God is working to make us like Christ and to bring us into, into glory. Um, we, we looked kind of at the, the beginning of a new section in verse 18. Paul says this, he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And then last week, we looked at some really hope-filled verses, these, these great promises of God that he's working even through the, the, really, uh, the really hard parts, the really bad things, uh, the, the, the most difficult parts of life. Um, so, Rafiq, for, for maybe for, for non-believers or even for believers in, in the Arab world, how do they experience the, that kind of suffering, and, and how do you see God doing things to work those things uh, for good ultimately? Well, suffering is really starting from day one when Muslims decide to follow Jesus. So, first of all, they're going to lose their family. Or everybody in their family will disown them. That might lead to loss of job. That might lead to loss of the inheritance that you are entitled for if you became Christian. The whole community will persecute you. And most of the people, they end up escaping from one place to the other because they are afraid one of the family members or the, one of the communities they live in, they're going to go after them and kill them. Because leaving Islam is harming the name of Allah or God in Islam. So that is kind of great shame for the Muslim community if that happened. So there is a lot of suffering. And most of the people, or big percentage of them, they decide to leave their country and immigrate to another country when it is safer for them. I'm going to share with you another story. Khalid is a very, very successful person in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. He owns four commercial stores. And he's well known in the community. He memorized the Quran from end to end. He's married. He has three children. And they're also coming from restricted Islamic family. And one day, he called us on the phone. And he said, you don't have to spend any time to convince me Islam is not really a true religion from God. I know that already. But I have a few questions for you about the Christian faith. He asked them, we answered him. And then we thought, he is really, really a great person who's interested to know more about Jesus. He disappeared immediately. He called us again six months later. And we told him, where have you been, Khalid? We tried to call you, and there was no answer for you. 
He said, I was struggling a lot and uh, I decided to take time off from everything to make my own research and search where is the true God. I came to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is God. I want to follow him. Can you tell me how to follow Jesus? We told him, Khaled, you are from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. You live there now and you know it is hard to make a decision like this. Do you understand the consequence is going to happen to you and your family if you decided to follow Jesus? He said, yes. I know that they're going to kill me, torture me, uh, take from me everything, but I am willing to die to follow Jesus. He died on the cross for me. He redeemed me, but I don't know how to follow him. Can you help me, please? We told him, pray with us this prayer. Over the phone, Khaled became a follower of Christ. Immediately, his wife and everybody in the family get to know about his conversion. His wife told the extended family. They all tried to convince him to go back to Islam. He refused. They start to bother him, filed a court case against him, because it is a crime to leave Islam and follow another faith. Here is the final decision from the court. Immediate divorce between Khalid and his wife. The children will leave the father and the mother will take the custody of the children. The four stores that he owns will be distributed among his siblings and the father. He will not own anything of them. And in addition to that, he will receive 600 lashes in one of the main squares in the city in Saudi Arabia. That is suffering. It is painful experience for Khaled. Khaled obeyed and he took 12 sessions every session received 50 lashes he called us over the phone one day and we told him how did it go he said I really didn't feel the pain of the lashes at all when I was bending over at that moment I felt Jesus is surrounding me and he was receiving the lashes instead of me. And that was the intimate time that I spent with Jesus. I saw him by my eyes. I saw him embracing me, loving me, caring for me. I cannot forget that time at all. Life became extremely difficult for Khalid. He had to flee from one city to the other. And then he became very active in ministry. In one week, he shared his faith and he won a medical doctor in Saudi Arabia for Christ and another school teacher. He had to flee the country because persecution was very severe. A couple of years later, he was in touch with his wife and children and bed by bed, the wife became Christian the children became Christian. His sister-in-law became Christian. And all of them, they started to, they decided to 
immigrate from Saudi Arabia to another safer country when they're all united. This is the result of suffering of Khalid. So I would say, suffering from outside, it looks difficult. But really, the suffering time that we go through, it is the time that Jesus is shaping us, is molding us, making us to be more like him, and to spread the good news to other people around us. When they move to another country, they start to ministry, to reach out to Yemeni refugees in the new country that they are living in now. God is using them in a very, very powerful way as a result of suffering. Mm. So this is how Muslim people act during the suffering time. Praise God. Praise God for his, his sustaining grace. Um, through all of that, we, we, we read, uh, you just basically said what the, the verse from, from last week, it says in verses 28 through 30, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. How awesome is it to hear that God is at work in the Middle East? I, I, I think for, I don't know about you, for you guys, uh, for me, a lot of times I'll, I'll think about that part of the world. I'll, I'll think about that it's not just a lot of desert, but it's, it's a spiritual desert. It's a, it's a desert of, of any activity of God. Um, and what I love about Rafiq and his, the, the team that he's working with, the, the many people working together uh, to, to reach people there, it's showing God is at work and he's at work in some of the most difficult places and some of the most difficult circumstances, some of which we won't get to see on, on this side of eternity. We won't always get to hear the full circle story, uh, but many times we do and we see the, the great things that God is doing and how he's uh, redeeming. And, and, and this, is, this is part of the fulfillment of what we see at the end of Romans, that this is what all of this is leading towards. Again, I'll read from chapter 15. Paul's ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Uh, Rafik and his team are reaching some of the, the least reached people in the world and throughout the Arab world, Middle East and North Africa. Uh, we'd love to give you an opportunity to, to connect a little bit further with that work. Uh, there's a, a website where you can uh, sign up to, you, you can go online and kind of check things out and see what's happening, and you can also sign up for a monthly uh, newsletter that will, that will tell you, here's what's happening, here's what we can praise God for, here's how we see God working, and here's the areas that we still want to see him working more, and so pray with us, pray for these things. Uh, each month, and, and you won't uh, you, you won't see Rafik's face on on the website, of course. Um, but you'll this this is what he and his team are doing behind the scenes, and and using some of these things in in social media, YouTube, all the different channels where they're able to connect with people uh, online, and then bringing that into house churches, into discipleship 
groups, uh, into Bible studies, uh, on the ground, in these places. And it's, it's an amazing, amazing work and a beautiful thing. Um, so let's give him uh, our appreciation for being here with us today. Thank you very much. Nice to be with you. Thank you. So thank you, brother. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll close in just a minute um, with, uh, with one more song. Um, but I, want, I would ask you guys to, to pray with me, and let's pray for Rafiq and his work and his team as they continue to take the gospel uh, into these places where people haven't heard, uh, where, where, where people have not seen the goodness of God, the power of his salvation yet. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you um, our praise for um, just the little, little bits that we've heard today, um, th these, these, these different people who are our brothers and sisters, who we will, we will meet in eternity, uh, those of us who are in Christ, and, and we will be um, able to hear thousands, millions of other stories of, of how you're working, and share our stories, our testimonies of, of how, how you've changed our lives, and how you have powerfully worked to transform us with the gospel. So thank you for these amazing promises that there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ and that you have, have adopted us as your children and you are our, our perfect father. And that even in suffering, you are, are working your plan, you're making us like Christ and, and you're helping this good news um, through us in many cases to get to the people who have never heard. And so we just ask uh, you to help us as a church to continue to move passionately towards that um, and steadfastly towards it. And, uh, and, and we just pray um, especially for Rafiq and, and his team uh, who are working so tirelessly and so faithfully um, to continue through online, through on the ground, and all the ways that they're bringing the good news of the gospel um, to people throughout the Middle East. So we just pray that you would give them the energy, the strength, the perseverance uh, through suffering, through discouragement, through difficulty uh, to keep going and to keep pushing to the ends of the earth. And, uh, and thank you that we get to do this together. We get to partner together uh, as one big family uh, in, in your kingdom. And um, just thank you for the blessing of getting to do that together. We give you our praise for what you've done in our lives and what you've done in the lives of, of many uh, who we will will never meet until your kingdom, uh, but we look forward to that day. So we praise you in Jesus' name.